This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And welcome, welcome. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet with Dr. Jeff. We're here for you, here for your pets, um, answer questions, um, whatever you want to know. It's got, it's got like at the end of, you know, on Instagram or something, you'll see the, the hashtag AMA, ask me anything. And um, if I don't know the answer right now, that's a possibility, but I will get it for you. And uh, we can talk about it next week. Hope you uh, have had a good week, everybody. And um out here, you know, it's funny, I've already been asked to write a, an article on winterizing your pets, and I'm sitting here in Southern California where it's like 85 degrees, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, and I'm thinking, winterizing? <laughs> I still have my air conditioning on. So uh, I guess, but I'm, you, some of you may not be as lucky. I heard that uh, back east, they've had some pretty, pretty pounding rains, cold weather, hailstorms already, kind of um, maybe sorry about that but uh i'm out here in socal and it's uh we're having a great great weather anyway uh mentioned talked about answering questions so uh we got a a letter i got a letter from a joe candela from stony point new york and um he asked about his cat lily who is helping him as much as he helps her and um his question was can cats process and benefit from flax seed because there is some talk that they can't and um, so doing my own little homework, yes, they can. The problem with trying to process and benefit flaxseed has nothing to do with the species. It has to do with the health of the species, even dogs or cats that are getting older or not well, sickly, they might have a problem deriving the essential, the omega-3, the essential fatty acids from the flaxseed. But for a normal cat or dog who's healthy, no problem, they definitely can. It's a matter of extracting some of the linoleic acid, the omega-3 fatty acids, and there are certainly, in general, I would recommend some sort of omega-3s. There are a number of benefits from them. First of all, they're good for boosting the immune system, which is very important. They're also great for digestive health, and one of the reasons why many of us recommend some sort of flaxseed or grain or fiber is because it adds fiber, and um, fibers, um, you know, there's so much talk about probiotics, probiotics, probiotics. Those are the, the good bacteria. But prebiotics, prebiotics are the fibers, and um, they kind of work in conjunction with the probiotics, and they seem to help. So it's very important that we provide some form of fiber as well, and flax and flaxseed is a good source of that. And of course, the omega-3 fatty acids derived from the flaxseed are very good for skin and coat. So there are benefits for both species, dogs and cats. And um, so, Joe, thank you for the letter. Thank you for reaching out. Hope you're listening. And uh if you uh, have any more questions, you know you can always get a hold of me at drjeff, Dr. Jeff, at petliferadio.com. And the letters coming to me, we'll answer them. I love to answer them on the air. So don't be bashful. Don't be shy. Speaking of on the air, speaking of bashful, uh, you can get a hold of us right now here live on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff by calling 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can join us, ask questions, talk about anything in our news briefs, things that I like to do every show. My last one might be an interesting topic of discussion. I know it's going to ruffle some feathers from many of you, so we are going to uh, save that one for last. I'm hoping we'll get some discussion on that one because I think it's kind of funny. So first of all, 
going through the AHA news stat and the AVMA smart brief, just kind of what's new in the field. I want you, I want to keep you abreast because it's very important kind of to know what's going on in our industry to help you better understand what's going on with your pets, to help you better understand what approaches your veterinarian or will take on certain uh, problems in certain matters. So it's kind of like um, it's it's kind of like a behind the scenes look. It's kind of like peeking behind the curtain. So seeing what the wizard is really doing back there. So uh, here we are. First of all, there's a study in Europe that finds that Enterobacteria is obviously a bacteria of the enteric tract, and um, this was frightening to say the least. Seventy-two and a half percent of fifty-one different raw dog foods that were tested contained a large percent of the enterobacteria and 63% of the 72 and a half were definitely a antibiotic resistant strain. So it's not just getting the infection. Oh, well, no problem. If we get it, we'll, you know, if we're one of those dogs that does get it, we'll just give them an antibiotic. But guess what? The antibiotics may not work. Antibiotic resistance. And the nutritionist that contributed to this article states in her summary, that and I'm going to write, there is no evidence that raw diets confer health benefits to dogs anyway. So my biggest concern, and I don't mind raw diets, what I mind is there needs to be some way to destroy the bacteria. There are a few methods we've talked about. One is called HPP, high pressure pasteurization. One is called flash freezing, and one is called freeze-dried. By doing this, they're not being cooked they are not destroying the nutritional value. So if that was your motivation, because you don't want to destroy the nutritional value of what you're feeding, then get something that's freeze-dried. Get something that is uh, has undergone the high-pressure pasteurization process. Get something where they did a flash freeze, something that will actually sterilize, if you will, the food from the bacteria, the bad bacteria standpoint, but not lose any of the nutritional value. But um, I thought, I mean, those numbers are amazing. 72.5% of the foods have the bacteria, and 63% of those, the bacteria is resistant to antibodies. So, um, I mean, to antibiotics. So, that's a big problem. This is also something that's a little frightening for those of us that are cat lovers, and I, as you know, have five. The AAFP, the American Association of Feline Practitioners, spotlights 36, count them, 36 zoonotic diseases that are carried by cats. Zoonotic diseases are diseases that can be passed from your animals or from animals to people. So there are 36 different diseases that cats can give to us. Now, clearly, as I mentioned, I have five. I'm not giving any of them away. I'm just letting you know that we need to be careful. So, of course, the overall incidence is very low because our own bodies, if we're healthy, can handle these 36 zoonotic pathogens. But just as a FYI, regular deworming, vaccinating like rabies, which is one of them, flea and tick preventatives. Ticks and fleas can pass on many different diseases, ticks especially. So make sure, especially if you have cats that go in and out. Now my five are all indoor only. Living in the city, living in Los Angeles, I just worry about dogs, cars, coyotes, skunks, raccoons, feline leukemia. So I have no desire, nor interestingly, do my cats have any desire to go outside. In fact, one of our cats, his name is Black Ninja because he is a magnificent, all black cat, shiny coat. He's magnificent. He's gorgeous. These great green eyes. And um, my daughter was sitting outside one day waiting for a friend to pick her up. And this great looking black cat just comes over and starts rubbing on her leg. So she thought it was so cute. She starts petting this cat. And then a friend comes and, and she gets in the car and goes off. About two, three days later, she's coming in 
from outside. She's carrying a bag of, of groceries. And um, guess who comes up to the doorstep? The same black cat. So she thought it was so cool. So she looks at him. She has nothing. There's no ID. Obviously, can't tell microchip. She calls me dad. If I brought this cat by, can you see if you can scan it? So she brings it in. I scan it. There is no microchip. So this poor cat has no identification whatsoever. So we do what neighbors do. We post things on the board. We post a little something online. Nobody claims this cat. So this cat now, he's indoor only now at this point, and we're keeping him. And interestingly, at the beginning, every single opportunity he had to run outside, oh my God, he would take it. He would, I mean, he would wait in the door just to make a dash. Within about, I don't know, a month, six weeks, he would literally have no desire. He can walk up to a door wide open. He'll walk up to the doorway. He'll take a peek one way and the other, look outside. Nah, right back inside. He's got a maid. He's got comfortable beds. He's got the square meals. He's got four other cats to play with. Why would he want to go anyplace else? So anyway, I am a, a bigger fan of, and now if you live in the country somewhere where you're not worried about dogs running around loose, you're not worried about cars, then maybe you can have an indoor-outdoor cat. But, or, or if you have a barn, you can have a barn cat. But my for, for the city, I'm an indoor cat guy. These are the things, the, the deworming, the flea control, the tick control, the vaccinations, et cetera. These are some of the, the preventive measures that you could do. Oh, basic sanitation, of course. And this is what you should do if you want to help minimize the potential risk of these 36 zoonotic pathogens. Now, you know, we talked about how our health makes a big difference, and it does. If you remember, twice I've reported on that capnocytophaga. That is that weird bacterium that people can get from being licked by dogs and cats. It's in their saliva. It is very rare. And I'm sure with the amount of licks that I've gotten in my last 35 years of just practice, let alone before that, that I have encountered this bacterium. And yet, here I am. So if you're healthy, if you have a healthy immune system, those that have had the problem had some sort of immunosuppression, either because of disease or because of medications they've been on for certain conditions, and which want to basically be called immunosuppressive. So, but your normal person, don't run away and get rid of your cats. Uh, just know that there's some basic things you can do to minimize the risk. CBD, we talk about a lot because it's being talked about a lot, still hasn't been adequately studied in pets. There is, according to this author, a lack of validated dosage info, which I believe is true, scientific support, and regulatory oversight. So basically, there's a lot we know, no doubt, a lot we've learned from the human side, but there's also a lot that we don't know. And we know LD50, we know the lethal dose, we know the benefits, but we don't know where the toxic doses end up coming into play, at what dose. So the fear is how can we start studying the benefits if we don't even know when we're going to cause toxicity. And if the benefits don't start showing up until we've passed toxic doses, then we can't use it because we're going we're gonna to put all our dogs and cats at risk. So we need more information. Certainly, the pure CBD products are considerably safer. It is known to be the THC that's probably the culprit in most cases. The only two deaths that I know of, and there may be more now only because it's legalized in many states for recreational use in people, but the only two deaths that I have read about are from cocoa powder, which is 100% pure cacao. And that is very toxic for the, as a chocolate for pets. And as far as pot, it's pot butter. Those are the two things that you're taking something that has known toxicities, but you don't hear many. I mean, how many times I get a call from a client when it comes to chocolate, for example, that is saying, oh my God, my, my dog ate a Twix. He had an M&M. &M. Well, 
fine. Save some for me. He's going to be just fine. But again, it's the very toxic, the, the very strong things in the chocolate, same as pot. It's going to be the major concentration and pot butter seems to have, marijuana butter seems to have the most concentration. When you're using it in cooking, when you're using it to make brownies, the reason why it's toxic there is not because the amount in a brownie. It's that if a dog gets a hold of the plate and there are you know, brownies or chocolate chip cookies or whatever it is that are edibles, you think they're going to stop after one? They're going for the whole plate. So it's the additive effect, and that's what makes it so dangerous. So remember, right now, it's, it's very much like chocolate. It's not a panic situation. It's a volume situation. It is a percent of strength of the THC or CBD situation. And unfortunately, we just don't know enough. For example, right now, you can go online and there are some chocolate toxicity meters where you can punch in your dog's weight. You can punch in the amount of ounces of chocolate of it and the different types of chocolate from white chocolate, which is basically nothing, all the way to pure 100% dark chocolate, unsweetened dark chocolate, baker's chocolate, cocoa powder. And you can see how much would my dog need to eat to be toxic. And therefore, you, we know, and that's, that's why it's so much more controllable. But when it comes to marijuana, we have no meter yet. We don't have any data that we can sit down, put out, okay, my dog ate so-and-so, uh, it was this strength, and he's 22 pounds, what do I have to worry? And um, until we get that, I would avoid, especially products with THC, 100% products with THC, a little CBD oil, I, can, I understand from colleagues, unfortunately, here in California, it's still highly illegal, unlawful, I always say illegal is a sick bird. It's unlawful. So I have no experience, unfortunately. But um, it's it's important to wait it out, do your homework, do your research, talk to your veterinarian, and go from there. In states where it's okay, I'm sure your veterinarians have more information than I do. So go ahead and, and ask away. Now, having said this, the, the, the pet treat business is now approaching $7 billion, that's with a B, dollars a year. And what do you think is helping drive that very rapid rise? CBD treats. So here we are on one hand, we're talking about how little we know. And yet on the other hand, it's growing like crazy. When I go to the, the, the pet trade shows and coming in um, January, I'll be at another one, or excuse me, in late February, uh, it's called Global Pet Expo in Orlando. And uh, our, much of our team from Pet Life Radio will be there. And there are so many booths now, and I'm, I'm talking a tremendously huge trade show that are selling CBD products. So, you know, on the one hand, we're trying to say, wait, wait, stop, stop, go slow. Let's learn a little bit more first. And they're they just literally inundating the market. So uh, anyway, the next thing we're going to talk about is going to be more of a discussion. I'd love to hear from you. So get the 877-385-8882. Get your phones ready to call, ready to talk. I think it would be very, very funny to hear your take on this. And um, it's going to be a little discussion on owners, pet owners, pet parents, cats versus dogs. The fight goes on. So anyway, don't go away. We'll be back after these short words. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops. Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico Chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E. And now, six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Lico Chops. Buy two. 
Get one free at Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com slash dogs now. That's myalphacbd.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey, welcome, welcome. We're back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host, here on Pet Life Radio, it's Best Dr. Jeff. So, before the break, I did a little teaser. Cats versus dogs. So this was very interesting. A study, scientifically done, well, as scientific as it can be, polling hundreds and hundreds of cat owners and dog owners, or they like to say cat lovers and dog lovers. And I call them dog and cat people. And I, having four dogs and five cats, certainly am a mix. So I think I'm kind of mixed up um, because I have both. It says... They were looking, studying for differences in personality of dog lovers versus cat lovers. Here are some of the results. And I want you to listen, see if this fits your personality, your life, if you will. But I I just found it kind of funny. So dog lovers, they are livelier. They're more energetic and more outgoing. They tend to follow rules closely. They are very amicable. And I guess, you know, that's, you could see that because you, you could see dog owners, you see dog owners at a park and you see them walking dogs on the street. And I know for me, I cannot walk past a dog and not stop and say hello. I mean, these are strange dogs. They don't know me from Adam. And what's so interesting, I find regardless of what we think, there is a certain sense that animals have about us. And, you know, we have our, our senses, you know, we have our, you know, what is it? Their hearing and our smell and our taste, our touch, our feel. But I think dogs have more because there is something, you know, we've talked about this before, how dogs, first of all, can sense fear. We put out some sort of maybe a pheromone or some sort of, you know, body odor change that they sense. We know that they can recognize facial expressions. They can see us. They can tell when we're smiling, when we're frowning. So they are way sharper than we are. So there's something that they could see in us. But I think that also brings out in us a a certain uh, friendliness. Cat lovers, on the other hand, are much more introverted. They are more open-minded. They are more sensitive. And they tend to be more non-conformists. So they would look for expediency versus following rules. In other words, that if they're being told to do something, but they think they have a better way that's going to be quicker, better, faster, more practical. They're not going to follow the rules. They're going to do it their way. And so when I look at these two things, I, I just see myself, which is if I, if I work backwards and say, okay, am I really a dog lover, a cat lover? And this is because of my personality or, or have I become a dog and cat lover? Because my personality, I look at these things, I'm pretty outgoing. 
I'm a pretty happy guy. I hear it from my clients all the time, certainly energetic. And um, I'm outgoing. I, you know, I go to a party. I, I go to a party someplace with my wife. I, ain't supposed to, I know nobody. And she's ready to leave in 20 minutes. I'm sitting there having so much fun with these people I never met before. But I don't like to follow the rules either. So I'm much more expedient. I'm pretty open-minded. Um, I'm not very sensitive. I'm sort of like sometimes people say, um, if you're not a Star Trek and Spock, no sensitivity. It was all with him about logic. It was logic, logic, logic. I'm just after logic. In fact, when things don't make logical sense, they drive me absolutely bonkers. So I, I'm basically a student of logic. And interesting on these tests you have to take to get into vet school, you know, like the, the GREs and stuff like that, I always score in the 99th percentile logic. So <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not an emotional guy. What can I tell you? So when I look at these and I read these, I say, no wonder why I have dogs and cats. No wonder why I don't have a favorite because I got both of these going on. But here's the one that I'm going to take credit for being a cat lover is because for you dog lovers out there that don't like cats, I'm sorry, you're going to have to hear this. But in this study, at least, I can't say this is across the board. But in this study, as far as intelligence, the cat lovers scored higher in intelligence. So I'm definitely taking credit for that one, that when it comes to intelligence, I'm a cat guy. But um, I just thought it was interesting because we've talked about this all the time. You know, and there have been a lot of articles and the battle between dogs and cats and, and who's smarter, which animal is smarter. You know, it's like I say, I mean, maybe that's why I personally feel that dogs are maybe more trainable, but trainability doesn't just really mean smarts. Because when you look at how do you define smarts? Now, if you look at survival, survivability, oh my God, cats got his beat, got dogs beat by a landslide. Put a dog on the street for, for you know, three months and you're going to have a one sick dog. Cats, they hunt, they know how to forage for food, they know what they eat, they know how to avoid cars. They are, I mean, yes, of course, you're going to see a, a smushed up cat on the road one day, but they do way better on their own than a dog would. But can you teach a cat to, you know, sit, stay, heel, roll over, fetch? Is that they're not learning because they can't, because they don't have the intellectual ability, the capability, or is it the thing? What do they screw you? You sit down, you roll over. I'm not doing that. So it could be like they're smarter than we are. And um, you know, I just uh, think that the whole article was actually rather comical. I'd like to hear what you think from those of you that have dogs and cats like me, and you are a sort of a, a mixed breed. Pardon the pun that you kind of like both. I'd like to know which of those character traits, the personality traits that I mentioned that they say are really good for dogs, do you have, and which ones for cats? Are you, you know, are you a very introverted? You're, I mean, let's, let's look at the other side. You're introverted, right? You're expedient. You don't follow rules. That's the cat part. But so you're not outgoing. You're, so what's left? Intelligence. Are you going to admit that? Well, maybe I'm not so smart. I'll leave that up to you. So uh, anyway, Next week, we are going to talk a little bit about Halloween. Uh, also, if you have any AMA questions that you're just dying to get some answers, ask me anything. Do let me know. You can get a hold of me once again at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And, uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about Halloween. We're going to talk about the dangers of Halloween, um, including trick-or-treating with your pets, including costumes. We mentioned a little bit about when I mentioned that last year, two years ago, $3 million dollars spent on pet costumes are you joking so um anyway uh and, and if you have pets that freak out with the doorbell uh let alone these funny looking creatures coming to the door dressed as, as, as who knows what uh what you can do to sort of chill your dogs out a little bit 
during this fun holiday, at least fun for kids, um, not necessarily fun for grown-up adults. Where, well, I guess you know, I have grandkids now, so maybe, maybe that would be that would definitely be fun for them. So, uh, anyway, great. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Joe, thanks for writing in. If you have any other questions or if anyone has any questions, please get a hold of us here at Pet Life Radio. And remember, during a show, you can always join us, 877-385-8882. And if you haven't downloaded your AirVet yet, there's no way you're going to get a hold of me. So you got to get a hold of AirVet. Uh, just download it on your um, App Store or Google Play, giving you 24-7 access to a veterinarian before... You go to Dr. Google. Before in the middle of the night, you rush to an emergency because your message machine at your hospital says, hi, if this is an emergency, go to the emergency clinic. You are going to spend a fortune. And 80% of those are not emergencies. Talk to a real vet and uh, you can get answers. You can get suggestions. And most likely, at least 80% of the time, wait and see your own doctor in the morning. It'll cost you a lot less and give you some peace of mind. So have a great week, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next week here at Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best Dr. Jeff. So long. Let's talk pets every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com. <laughs>